Hey, good morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, my name's Thomas. For those of you that, that don't know me, I'm married to Mary. And uh, this is the part of the service that we're going to be opening up the Bible together. And before we do, uh, I want to show you a couple of pictures. Oh, that's, we can see my shadow here with the light here. I've got all sorts of lights here, as you can see. I actually bought an emergency torchlight on my head just in case any of these worked. But thankfully, we didn't have to use them. We didn't have to use them. Uh, I want to show you, if we go on to the next slide, I want to show you a couple of pictures. Right, this is a, a lift in Sweden, in a hotel in Sweden. And uh, you'd think, looking from a distance, it would have the standard floor numbers. But as you go into this lift in Stockholm, actually, you get to choose your lift music. You get to choose your lift music. So as you go in, you can go reggae, world music, soul, jazz, and then there's another section of buttons to then choose where you want to go. That little change has brought more custom and more business to this hotel in Sweden than actually spending thousands of pounds on staff or thousands of pounds on kitting out the rooms or marketing. They just changed and thought, we're gonna get some lift music. If I could get the, the next picture. This is a so, little salt and pepper shakers. And you get them on Virgin Atlantic trains on the first class service. Now, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think looking at them, they're so tiny. The majority of people that go onto the train and see these little things, they go, you know what? I could nab them. I could stick them in my pocket, a little memento off the trip. Virgin Atlantic cottoned onto this, so we could have the next picture. It then says, pinched from Virgin Atlantic. This little thing has brought more, uh, I guess people are talking about this service more than spending thousands on actually making the service faster, or uh, on staff, or better food. This little thing, pinched from Virgin Atlantic. There's something in the small. There's something, there's power in the seemingly small moments that seem to stick. In these examples with hotel and travel companies, it's good for them. But we believe, as people of Jesus, that there's something in, our, in the small, in our walks with Jesus. There are moments, if only we would become more aware and acknowledge them and step into them with faith that God wants to use in surprising ways. Uh, we're op we've been opening up the Bible for a number of weeks looking at small things. We've looked at a small boy with a small lunch. We've looked at a small shepherd boy facing the giant Goliath. We've looked at small mustard seeds. We've looked at small coins. And today we're going to be looking at a small jar of oil. I want to read from 2 Kings, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, and we're going to read seven verses from the beginning of chapter 4. But before we do that, I just want to give you a little bit of context, a little bit of background. We have Elisha here, and previous to the, uh, Elisha, Elijah, and Elisha and Elijah were prophets who helped restore Israel during a time where there was just king after king uh, that were wicked. There was wicked rule at that time. And Elijah is saved by God. He's sustained and he's fed by God during a drought that he predicted. Then we see Elijah stacking all his faith in God against the prophets of Baal, 
uh, he trusts God, he leans on him, he carries great faith. They have a, a bit of a, a fire-starting challenge. And Elijah has so much faith, he pours water on the sacrament that he then calls on God to bring forth fire. And, and that happens. And that happens. And then sometime later, he, uh, after that victory, he anoints Elisha. And Elisha joins him. And sometime later, Elijah passes and Elisha picks up the mantle. And we see a series of miracles uh, that were performed at this time. So if we read 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, it should come up on the screen as well. There we go. That's massive. Right. Let me pray before we read God's word. Lord, thank you that you are here. Thank you for your words. Thank you that you're eager to speak into all our situations. You're eager to speak into the small. You're eager to speak into the specifics. And you know how, how, how we're all doing. So I just pray that, that you would speak, Lord, clearly. That we would have ears to hear. That we would have open hearts. And uh, yeah, where our minds are worrying or just noisy just now, would you just, just bring your peace? Just had a word about this being a place of peace this morning. Place of peace. Just pray that. And all the noise and life that we have to face as we step out. This is a safe space. This is a refuge. This is, this is a space where we can find peace. So would you just pour that into each and every one of us? where we feel dry and empty right now. Thank you for your word. Would it just speak and fuel us and encourage us and challenge us and uh, mold us more like you? Amen. Amen. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he and revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go round and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil Pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Amen. So we have a widow here having lost her husband who's now in debt. And her debtors are demanding her sons as slaves. Uh, it would be commonplace for debts to be retrieved by uh, commitments in labor, by doing certain duties. But the word slaves uh, right away implies a, a harsher punishment a harsher payment, should I say, uh, that the widow is facing. And uh, she cries out to Elisha, a final plea, perhaps, 
stating our husband was Elisha's servant. Do something. You know, you can feel the emotion, the pain, the hopelessness in these lines that what is coming. And uh, I, I think that God wants to fill us with faith through this passage this morning, uh, through three things. I've went back up to three things. It was two things last week. We're going classic three things this morning. Uh, three things I want to explore briefly that I, I believe God wants to deposit in our hearts. I really do. Faith to believe that the little we carry can be used. Secondly, faith to say yes when it doesn't make sense. And then thirdly, faith that God will provide the oil if we go get the jars. So that's what I, I want to explore very briefly this morning. So faith to believe the little we have can be used. I remember this week, it's been nearly 20 years since I was at university. Uh, 15 years since I graduated. And I had a bit of a panic. I had a bit of a panic and my <laughs> my response to this was to relive my student days in terms of my food. So I went and got a pot noodle. I went and got a pot noodle. And I've actually become quite addicted to pot noodles the last wee while. Uh, you can pray for me later. I'll have a dedicated prayer space for me later. But I also remembered at that time some of the meals that I would have as a student that I'd make when there was hardly anything in the cupboards. And perhaps some of us do that or we're hungry perhaps and need a wee meal. We're like, oh my goodness, there's only a few things left. What can I conjure up? And some of the meals uh, consisted of pasta and baked beans together. I know. Pasta and ketchup. My mum's like shaking my head there at the front. She's like, no. Uh, they were a go-to. Pasta and sauce sandwiches. You know the pasta and sauce sashes? Uh, I've, got, I've got more. I'm going to stop seeing as the reaction is, uh, yeah, let me move on. And you know, some moments I would utter the words, I have nothing except an orange and a pit of bread. What am I going to do with that? It was like ready, steady, cook student version. That's how I compare it to. All of it was used though. I managed to bring stuff together and it was all used. That's a very poor illustration for where we're going, but let's, let's go with it. What the lady in this passage says here is interesting, isn't it? Her line of, you know, I have nothing except. Your serving has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. She's writing off the very thing that she's got. I wonder if we ever do that. I have nothing except this £10 note. I have nothing except an hour a week. I have nothing except, I can do nothing except draw I can do nothing except sing. I can do nothing except pray. We think what we have or what we can bring is so small that it isn't even worth declaring. And our first response is, I have nothing. And I believe the Lord this morning wants, uh, through this account with Elisha and the widow, wants us to go on a journey with the little that we do have. Because the widow didn't have nothing. She had something to bring. Even in the depths of despair, she had something to bring. Even in the valley moment, she had something to bring. You know, this last 18 months has stripped us of loads. It's been tough. It may have chipped away at all of us at certain points. You may be in despair this morning, but you still have something to bring. She had a small jar of oil. And you might feel just now that you're leading your life out of a place of feeling like you have nothing or perhaps that you amount to, 
to nothing. But the Lord this morning is wanting you to remember the small jar of oil. That little jar of oil on the shelf. Bring it to him. Whatever it is. Even if you think it can't be used. Even if you think it's not useful. Even if you think it should hardly... Oh, that! That should hardly be spoken of. He's inviting you, when you're asked, what do you have in your house? To remember the jar of oil. Because it matters. You matter. So don't... Uh, let's not reject what we have. Let's not forget the little that we have. Let's not think it can't be used. I think God wants us to remember because when we bring the little that we have, other things often happen that we don't expect. And we've seen that. It could be with our money, our time, our actions. It could be with our serving. It could be with praying with someone. It could be speaking out something that God is stirring in our hearts. It may be just bringing our yes with the little that we have, saying, here it is, Lord, do with it what you please. I wonder what we are neglecting this morning. I have nothing except a small jar of olive oil. What's one action or commitment we can take away as we ponder that point this morning? Uh, secondly, faith to say yes when it doesn't make sense. And we read of that in verse 3. When Elisha says to go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And you know, as I've been reflecting on this passage, I think this is one, if not the biggest barrier that we have in sharing our faith and sharing Jesus and stepping into the spaces and places that he calls us to and to be a light in the places that we are right now is that we're afraid that we'll look silly or we're afraid that the solution doesn't look how we envisage it. And if I, am to, if I have to speak a little personally just now and just think through, often for me, my faith in saying yes, uh, when it doesn't make sense, when it is a bit, ah, I don't know, Lord, what, what does this mean? When I have moments like that, it decreases a wee bit when I'm back in Inverness and I look for a measure of safety in the opportunities that the Lord's given me and sharing Jesus and praying for folk and God invitations to love radically and to follow his voice. Because I think from a worldly perspective, we're wired to see the map. We want to see the map. We want to see where we're headed. We want to see what's going to happen, how it's going to pan out, what the end point will be of our step. And I'm definitely a lot more mindful of looking silly when it's closer to home as I self-reflect on that and as I've journeyed this passage myself. I still try to do it, but I'm definitely more aware. But when I'm away at a conference or when I'm away at another city, I'm on fire. I don't care if it doesn't make sense because I'll never see them again. <laughs> I say yes, taxi drivers that are dropping me off share words with them, hotel workers at breakfast, offer to pray with them, waiters that I'm sharing, God loves them. I had one taxi driver once after a conference and I'm like buzzing after a time away heading to Birmingham airport and I felt God had given me a verse to share with him and uh, I'm like plucking up the courage and then he says how much it's going to be and I, I shared the verse 
And then he just repeated how much it's going to be. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, God, you'll use it. And then just like still high as a kite, walk into the airport. Lord, I trust. But when it's a bit closer to home, it's a little bit more difficult. Don't want to look silly. When it impacts the world around us, when it gets too close for comfort and uh, hits our personal life, we often retreat or reside into a safety bubble that maintains a level of control that doesn't allow God to use us in that moment fully. Verse 3, she's got a wee jar of olive oil. Then she, uh, She's then to go around and ask all her neighbours for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Let's just picture that for a second. Let, Enter into the picture of, of that account. She's mourning. She's in fear. She's in despair. She's not only mourning, but her sons are going to be taken away. And Elisha, who led her husband, who has uh, passed, has asked her to gather empty jars from the street. But not once do we read of the widow's reluctance. Not once do we read of the widow's embarrassment fear, awkwardness. Not once does she question the logic of it all. I've only got a small jar of oil. Why am I needing loads of other jars? You can get all the oil in one jar. Are we splitting it all? What are we doing? She doesn't question it. She brings her yes with her small jar in her hands. And that's the secret. In Isaiah 55, it speaks of God's ways being higher than our ways. Why should they make sense to us? Why do we need to get a handle on it? I wonder how many opportunities God will present to us this week that don't make sense to us, but we reject them because of that. Or we can't understand the purpose, or we can't see the map. What would God be up to this week in Inverness if we followed his prompts, if we're not afraid to go off-road, if we uh, take a detour? Where have we let what people see become a barrier to what God wants to do. Imagine her neighbours, what they would have said. Oh, Margaret, yeah, she was round at mine as well. Did she ask for a jar from you? Yes, something's happening. She was round at yours as well. She's round at you. Oh, wow. Why is she needing the jars? What's going on? She didn't care. She brought her small jar and her yes. wonder where fear has gripped us. Fear of man. Fear of what people think. Can I just pray for us quickly? Lord, I just pray over that point that you would break off in your name any fear of man. I just pray you would do something this morning in that, Lord. And it doesn't need to be a big firework moment, but just something in our hearts would shift, Lord, as we have opportunities where we don't see the map, we don't see the end route, that it doesn't make sense. I pray this week that each of us would have opportunities and we'd be able to share stories of you at work. And I pray where that has become a, a real stronghold, that you just break it off in Jesus' name. Would you break it off? Would you break it off? Perhaps you've got situations in your mind's eye right now or people in your mind's eye right now. Lord, I just pray for those people. You love them dearly. You love them dearly. So we just pray for those opportunities. We pray we wouldn't be afraid to look a little bit silly. But through all that, that people would see your heart, Lord. See that it's all about people hearing that you love them dearly.
Amen. Amen. And then just finally, faith that God will provide the oil if we go get the jars. As we come to a close, I just want to share the story of a man called Larry Walters. Larry Walters was a 33-year-old man who decided he wanted to see his neighborhood from a new perspective. And he went down to the local army store one morning and he bought 45 used weather balloons. You can see where this is going. Uh, that afternoon, he strapped himself into a lawn chair to which several friends tied the now helium-filled balloons. He took along a six-pack of beer, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a BB gun, figuring he could shoot the balloons one at a time when he was ready to land. Walters, who assumed that the balloons would lift him about 100 feet in the air, was caught off guard when the chair soared more than 11,000 feet into the sky. Smack into the middle of the air traffic pattern at Los Angeles International Airport. Too frightened to shoot any of the balloons, he stayed airborne for more than two hours, forcing the airport to shut down its runways for much of the afternoon, causing long delays in flights across the whole of the US. Soon after, he was safely grounded. He was cited by the police and reporters asked him three questions. They asked him, were you scared? Which he replied, yes. Would you do it again? He replied, no. Why did you do it? And he said, because you can't just sit there. You can't just sit there. You can't just sit there. Some of us are waiting on the oil when God is waiting on us to go and get the jars. It's his heart to include us in the mission of the local church. And yes, it's messy. Yes, sometimes it's tough. Yes, it isn't all bells and whistles. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's a slog. But that's God's heart for the local church and that we would be a people that would go get the jars. He wants to include us in the mission. And Inverness Vineyard Church is part of his mission for the city of Inverness and for the Highlands. And it's his heart to use every single one of us, little old us. We as Inverness Vineyard Church can't just sit there and won't just sit there as this city is broken with many living without hope where addicts are at the end of the rope. wonder if that's a wee hint to get out there, the lights. Where poverty exists, where children are needing homes, where reoffending is a constant cycle, where children uh, are needing hope and needing families, where mental health struggles are rising. We can't and won't just sit there because the little that we have is Jesus's. And he can do amazing things with it. And he calls us to action. If we were to look at that passage again, we see words like go, ask, go, pour, put, bring me another. I want to encourage us, church, let's go and get the jars. Let's believe that if each of us were to pick up the little that we have, each of us were to step onto roads that don't make sense a lot of the time, and if each of us were to go and get the jars, that God maybe would do something very special in our midst, in this cinema, in this screen.
in our city, in our homes, in our streets, in our workplaces, at the school gates, on our dog walks. That's our prayer. This is a, a cinema, as you can see. And God's invitation, I believe, as we step into the cinema, and I believe it's a symbolic step, actually, is that, that we wouldn't just sit back, but that we would play our part in the story. Not just watch the story, but play our part in the story. I wonder what's the one thing that God is calling you to go and pick up this morning. Why don't we stand?